Well, Talking Church, we are back with another episode with Pastor Rob and uh, want to say congratulations because you are now a grandpa, not through me, but through Connor and Alexia. Yes. So congratulations. Beckham. Beckham is here and it's- And what's his middle name? His middle name is Robert. Hmm, and so I got the who? middle name. Oh. Beckham Robert. <laughs> nice. I was saying Beckham Robert the other day and everybody's like, are you always going to say his middle name every time you introduce him? And I'm like, maybe. Maybe. And then right there, I didn't. So. Yeah. Yeah, you got to meet him and hold yeah, him. Yeah, what a joy. There's yeah. something, which crazy. I love him like crazy, and he's just this little bundle. But it made me love you and your brother more, too. Like, wow. it brought me back to, like, my kids and legacy. And so I love you guys more, too, with Beckham being on the scene. Well, good. Let's have a moment. They, Do yeah. I need a hug? <laughs> it's okay. I'm good. I'm good. Right, but thank right. you. Uh, excited for that and just to see him grow. And obviously, mom is just Obsessed. obsessed. Yeah, totally obsessed. Watching but, the baby monitor, yeah. watching him sleep. <laughs> She's going to have like a tracker in his ba- bag and watch. Yeah, anyways. Well, we do need to talk church. And so, um, although we are growing the church, all that stuff, that's great. But um, today I want to talk about living under authority. And so as a lead pastor in your church, you, in a lot of ways, are, are you're the leader, you're the, the highest yeah. authority figure, but there's far more under authority than just being the pastor of a church. And so there's so many stories, but I think a great place to start would be really about your book front row leadership uh, and, and the story that you share in there about being under authority and really just tell the story or any thoughts you have before that and then kind of dive into that story that led you to write the book and really led us to this conversation. Yeah. Um, we're part of the Assemblies of God. And uh, I, I was a young pastor and the church was growing and I was butting up against the authority and the uh, denomination and they weren't changing fast enough for me. They still aren't changing fast enough for me. I did, the, big things change slower, but I was a young guy and I was like, this has got to change and there were things I didn't like. And I just was complaining about authority, whether it was my district or our nation and everything. And one day um, somebody said, you know, well, you ought to start something new. And they flippantly said, you know, there's multiple assemblies of gods in countries and they all get recognized as being part of the assemblies of God. I was like, wait, what do you mean? They said in certain African countries, they had a split and then there'll be like African assembly of God one, African assembly of God two, and they both get recognized at the national meeting. And I was like, there's my answer. I am going to rebel and take the cool people with me and start my own thing. Like, I don't need to stay under authority. I can do my own thing and, and we'll go as fast as we want. And so I was actually talking to lawyers about this. I was talking to theologians. How long ago was this? Oh, a long time. I mean, like 15 years ago, 20 years ago, Okay, 20 years ago. And I, I was like, I'm doing this. I'm going to, I'm going to start this new movement. It was funny because I was trying to figure out the name and I was like, it's going to be the new AG. And it sounded like new AG. New you know? age. I was like, new age. <laughs> I don't want to do that. AG new. Uh, you know, I don't know what I was going to do, but I, I was going to split it. And one day I was praying and I felt the Holy Spirit just say, so really that's what you're going to do. You're going to split the church. You're going to inflict damage. You're going to bring division. That's going to be your legacy. And you're going to divide father against son, you know, uh, brother against sister. You're, that's, that's your plan to break this in half and bring division intentionally. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me just like that in prayer. And I was like, 
not anymore. Like, I know, like, I don't want to do that. And so I, I, I prayed, like, what am I supposed to do? And I was like, you're going to come under authority. You're going to become a front row leader. You are going to bring solutions. You're going to bring your checkbook. You're going to be a team player. And God showed me like that this institution was like a giant mansion. And instead of tearing it down to the ground, I was going to renovate it. And even in the renovation, you know, you're going to pull down a wall and realize, well, and there's mold. And now it's way more expensive than we thought. But he's like, you're going to renovate this. It's beautiful. And you're, you're going to bring unity instead of division. And I had to come under authority and do that. Well, this is the part that really, like, in front of everybody, at General Counsel, I get my opportunity to preach in front of the whole movement. And I felt like God said, you need to apologize for your bad attitude and for the things you've said in all your sidebars. You've been a front row leader, but now you need to apologize for the bad attitude you had. And I remember telling your mom, I was like, I'm going to do that. And she's like, are you sure? Like, are you sure you want to do like you could just you could just have a private moment and apologize and I was like nope I'm supposed to do it publicly and I'll tell you something broke in me even to another level something broke in the movement people that were like so angry like I was were like all right let's work together and um I've had to live in that battle ever since of you know I'm here to change it but it's not what I want it to be but I got to keep moving I got to be a team player guard your attitude stay under authority so that's been the journey. And then that led to Front Row Leadership, the book. How do you know when to apologize publicly versus privately? Great question. Because I've said this, to the degree that you criticize is the degree you should apologize. Like I'll give you a case in point. I was sitting in a board meeting and um, large board, about 25 people uh, for a nonprofit. And a guy was criticizing the leader and criticizing the leader. And, and we were all uncomfortable at the attack he was doing to the leader. And then we went to break. And then afterwards, uh, they said, the leader said, hey, me and so-and-so had a sidebar and they apologized. And I raised my hand and I said, stop. I said, we want to hear it from him. To the degree that he was criticizing you in front of us, we want to hear his apology. He didn't just criticize you in private. He criticized you in front of all of us. I want to hear his apology to the degree that he was criticizing you. And so I've always lived this to the degree you've been criticizing um, is the degree you should apologize. Did you do a post about this and you were critical? Then do a post about your apology. Did you do it verbally? Then do it verbally. Did you do it in a crowd? Do it in a crowd. Like your apology should be equal to the level you are criticizing. Hmm. What, what makes me think of this is, is, or what maybe is the next step of this, is what if it's something that maybe was hidden? And so it was something you did or, or that people didn't know about. Or It, it was again, hidden, then you should just go to the person. There's no need to expose it to everybody. Sure. Just go to the person and give them only what they need to hear. Like people come up to me and say, hey, I want to confess to you that I hated you <laughs> and I wrote a book. I'm like, it's good, I forgive you. And they're like, yeah, but I want to tell you all the things I, and how deep it was and what I wrote in my blog. And I'm like, you know what? I don't need to hear that. I had that happen to me at North Central once. Some some girl, I was literally praying at the altar and I was just worshiping, there was music on. She tapped me on the shoulder and she goes, hey, uh, I just want to tell you something. I said, yeah. She goes, I hated you. I'm like, what? 
Like, what did I do? Well, she interrupted my prayer time. And she goes, you were a big church and everything. We all hated you. We talked bad about you. We never even met you, but we hated you so much. And I just wanted to tell you that. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) And she goes, do you have anything to say? I said, I think that was for you. I think God told you to say that to me so that you could receive forgiveness. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to say to that. Like, thank, thank you for not hating me Thank you for me not anymore. hating me anymore. I know. So my thing is, if you did it privately or it was internal, yeah. don't make a bigger deal out of it yeah. than it needs to be. Just keep it at the minimum. And unless they ask you for more details, leave it there. They don't need to hear it. Yeah. yeah. When, when we were, uh, when we had Chris Hodges here, we did a podcast and he mentioned something on there that I thought was so good. He said, for, for those who are not involved in situations, he said, we always want to know we feel like, oh, I want to know about what happened or I want to know why why the argument that they got in or I want to know. We're, we're so, we seek to know things so much about what's going on. How have you approached that as somebody who, you're a leader who knows a lot, but then there are times where you hear things, maybe it's another church or another community that something's happening. How have you managed that? Well, I try to stay out of other people's stuff because I got enough with my own stuff. But I have realized that as a leader, I know things that other people don't. And so when somebody makes a decision, I'm asking the question, what do they know that I don't? Mm. Okay. And I'm sure there's something and that I'm looking for, like, can I let this go or do I need to keep pressing for more? Um, Do you have an example of what, like maybe a situation that someone could resonate with that of this is something where like, I was a leader that I knew something that... Yeah, any know. church discipline, like yeah. in the executive presbytery that I get to serve on, like if there's something that they know that I don't and they say, we need you to trust us on this, I have to believe that they have had a meeting that they know more than I do and I'm going to cash in my trust in them as a leader and trust them on it. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah... I mean, I remember sitting in one meeting once and there was something very private that was being discussed and the leader said, trust me, we've dealt with it. And this person's like, I demand to know. And they're like, trust me, it's been dealt with. I demand or I quit. And then the leader said, it involves your family and I was trying to protect you. Mm. And it's your family that we are dealing with that was out of order. That's why I didn't say it. And the guy was like, I'm an idiot. You know, and it was just like, I literally saw that. I was in the room when they did that. And I was just like, he demanded, I must know. And it's like, it's your family. It's like, uh, I can't remember the name in the Old Testament where he's like, let me run the news. Let me run the news. It's like, no, you don't want to run the news about the king's son dying. Like there's, there's other times, but yeah, you don't want to do this one. Right. Yeah. So, but being under authority, you have to trust leaders. And I, I've learned that and I'm under authority. And here's the thing I've learned. Um, you don't get to prove that you're under authority until something happens that you disagree with mm. and you get to show that you're under authority. I also think it's terrible when people are like, I'm under authority and I these this is my accountability. And then they say, okay, now we're disciplining you and you're going to have to do this, this. Well, I'm not staying in this sure. and I quit. Well, then you're really not under authority. Yeah. You just said it. Yeah. So you don't get to prove you're under authority until something goes against you. And- I've tried to live it out in my day-to-day. Like I'll remember um, years ago, our superintendent in Minnesota said, would you come to this prayer meeting in Minnesota? And it was three hours away and pray. And I said, wow. I said, I'm really busy. The next day I'm flying out of town. I said, I really 
if there's any way I cannot be there, I'd, can you give me freedom? And he's like, I really want you there as our largest church. I really want you there to pray with us at this meeting. And I said, well, I'm a man under authority. And because you want me to be there, I will do it. And I drove three hours, prayed for two and a half with everybody else and drove three hours home and then flew out the next day mm -hmm. because I'm a man under authority. Yeah. I don't get to prove I'm under authority until somebody asks me to do something I don't want to do. And then I get to do it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing that I heard there is even talking about the superintendent, he knew what he was asking of you after you shared that with him. Yeah. And can you talk about the difference between being under authority and doing like, like he knew, Hey, this is a big ask, yeah. but I still want you to do it. But I think there are other times where we put an overemphasis of weight because it's somebody that's an authority. And if they knew like, Hey, I want you there. Well, Hey, I'm leaving for my honeymoon the next day. It's like, well, no, like it's not that big of an ask, you know? So can you talk a little bit about like, as somebody who is under authority, what are, what is some of that balance that we have to com communicating versus just, yes, sir. I, I, you shared some stories about like the pastor of a church called and said, Hey, come over to my house. And he like, had, had yeah, and he had pen. dropped a pencil and he's like, yeah. Can you pick up that pencil? And the person's like, Really? You had me come over? And this is a true story. Yeah. This is a friend of mine. Yeah. His boss made him drive over in the middle of the night and pick up a pencil that was on the floor and then hand it to him. And he's <laughs> like, For real? That's abuse. That's just abuse. That's wrong. Okay. But let's take a healthy situation. Pastor says, Hey, um, I need you to drive the guest speaker to the airport tomorrow. And, you know, I want you to do it. And you're like, oh, oh, it's actually my anniversary tomorrow. Is it possible that I could get somebody else on staff to do it? Maybe they could even use my car. If you want them to use my truck, they could use my truck. But is it possible? You offer solutions yeah. and you give them context. Because sometimes leaders are like, I just need this to get done and, I, and you're faithful, so I want you to do it. And there's other times they're like, I need you. This is you. Yeah. But you give them the context and I would say, Give them the context, but don't challenge in giving them the context. Uh, you say, hey, it's my anniversary. Is there any way I could get everybody else to do it? They could use my car. You're giving them context and solution versus I can't do it. It's my anniversary. Will not do it. Yeah. Well, now you just challenged them, you know? So being under authority is I'm going to give you the context. I'm going to give you the solution. As a leader, now do you still need me to do that or not? Yeah. Sometimes when we're in, in work environments, whether it be meetings or, you know, sometimes churches have committees of deacons or all sorts of things. How do you manage even after the meeting, once a decision is made and maybe you still haven't agreed, maybe you're still not, you're like, I don't agree with that decision, but it would, I don't have the authority to make it. How have you managed that? Yeah. Well, I taught that one lesson on agree, uh, support, disagree. And which is interesting, I got to apply this recently uh, on one of the boards that I'm on. I'll share that in a minute. But when a decision is made by a team, the reason you're on a team is because you can give your input, but you don't get to make all the decisions. And sometimes it goes against you. And so the, the highest level is to be able to say, I agree with this decision and I'm going to leave this room and I agree with it. The next level that you have to get to, if you've said your piece and they voted against you or decided against you and you're under authority, is I support the decision. I support it. 
I may not agree with it, but I support it because I'm team player. The third one is disagree. And if you disagree, like I disagree and you cannot support it, you can't get there, then you either have to figure out, do I need to leave the team or, you know, because you're, it's a team, you're not in charge by yourself. And if you keep disagreeing over and over and over again and can't get to, I support this, you need to find a new team. Mm-hmm. And maybe you are unruly and you are not a team player. You're just meant to be a solo athlete. But that's a situation we're in. So recently there was a vote that went on, and I won't even share what was it about. And This is on a board that you're on? A board that I'm on. And the board was like 90% for it. And then two of us abstained from the vote. I said, I'm going to abstain. And after, as soon as we did the vote, they looked at me because it was a pretty hot thing. And the one girl goes, I want to know this. When you leave this room, are you going to support? I said, absolutely. And I did my teaching. I said, agree, support, disagree. I'm on a team. I support. And I said, you will not hear me publicly come against this. You will not hear me privately come against this. I will say I support it. What's interesting is I was tested in that a couple weeks later when a couple of ministers came up to me and said, hey, I heard this vote went down, da, 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 da. What's your thing? I said, I support the decision. I said, this is what happened. This is it. I support it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't say, and I abstained. I didn't do that. Yeah. I didn't tell anybody. I just said, I support it. The decision was made. We voted and that was a decision and I support the decision. Mm-hmm. So it was, I was tested in my own teaching yeah. by the people in the boardroom and by the people outside the boardroom. Mm-hmm. And you can't show you're under authority until you get tested like that. Yeah. You know, and I, I just have enough holy fear of God and of, of the Lord's anointed. Like, I want to be very slow to criticize. I think about David with Saul, you know, and he's like, I won't touch the Lord's anointed. And I just think about like, I don't want to bring accusations against people or a challenge. And and then the other thing is being under authority, you have to know when it's time for input and also when it's time for submitting to authority. Mm -hmm. Like when it's time for input, say everything you want, put it out there on the table, go for it. I'll never forget when we renamed the church River Valley, we used to be called Hosanna Christian Center. Okay. Which was a terrible name. Um, Yeah. But there was another church right next to us also called Hosanna Lutheran. Yeah. (laughs) And everybody thought we were them. And then everybody's like, what's a Christian center? I'm like a church, you know, what religion? Christian. What do you think? It was a dumb name. So (laughs) we renamed it and we were going to name the church either Metro Church or River Valley Church. Those are the two names that we came down to. And we chose River Valley because we're located in the Minnesota River Valley. Right before service, we've already had all the input, everything. Right before service, one of the pastors comes up and goes, the name's horrible. We shouldn't do the name. We should do Metro Church. You got to change it right now. Don't do River Valley. It's got to be Metro. And I'm like, we're way past input time. We're way, like right now it's submission. You just need to get under authority and do this and run like too late. That ship has sailed, you know? So you know when it's input time and say what you need to say. And then when it's time to leave, be under, you know? It's like going up to a pastor right before he preaches and say, hey, that sermon that you're, we were talking about, yeah, it's a bad sermon. It's like, don't preach that one. Yeah. It's like, I got two minutes left. Yeah, two minutes. <laughs> Who was it. it that went up and said to like preach the other sermon? Oh, Michael Murphy. Yeah. He loves to pull that joke. He, he, whenever he's at a conference, he goes up to the guest speaker, he goes, I think the Lord says, preach the other message. Because yeah. every pastor in the back of their head is like, should I do this one or yeah, this yeah. one? And he goes, 
you should do the other message. You yeah, know? I think I shared on the pod- <laughs> podcast last year about Michael's prank on me, so I'll hold off sharing it. But yeah. um, in, in terms of people who maybe are, again, lead pastors, they don't have that authority. And maybe they're in the Assemblies of God. Maybe they have superintendent leadership. But there's others that are out there that they're non-denominational. And maybe they have a board of overseers. Talk about how you can—we we did an episode on pastoral accountability. But but talk about how you can remain under authority even when you're in charge. And again, being lead pastor of a church, the founding pastor, it's like, well, no, I can, I can do— what I want to do, or I can say what I want to say. Yeah. And that can, again, to your point, it's the extreme example. It can turn into abuse. You can willingly submit things to come under authority. And here's like an example. Um, I was able to give away hundreds of thousands of dollars without talking to our board. And then I said, you know what? I want to come under authority. Cap me at $5,000 that I can't give away money more than $5,000. You know what I mean? And at a point in our church, I was like, I want to be intentionally capped and you to be the authority over this. Um, even with my travel schedule, I was like, I'm going to submit my travel schedule to you and you get to ask me questions about it. Um, kind of, I mean, it's, it's dumb, but in some ways I come under authority by staying accountable to my personal assistant. Yeah. And I tell her, here's where I'm going to be. You have total access to my schedule. Hold me accountable. I'm going to be here, 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 here. It's not like, oh yeah, I was just out praying in the field all day and mm-hmm. playing golf. And you know, yeah. there's accountability to it. So you can have accountability that way. But um, probably the bigger thing that I get is just people are upset with leadership and try to understand the pressures of leadership that it never moves as fast as you want. There's more that they know that you don't know. Um, God is probably growing something in you by being under authority mm-hmm. and learning. Um, let leaders redirect you. Think about this. Peter, after the Mount of Transfiguration, he's like, Jesus, should we build a temple for you and Moses and Elijah? He's like, no, no, let me redirect you. Stay under my authority. Just trust me good passion, wrong plan. Mm -hmm. And just let people shape you and then ask God, like, under this authority, what am I learning? What am I, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. how am I being shaped? One, one thing that I think as pastors, we're, again, we're, we're under good spiritual authority. Sometimes there's issues where there's bad authority or bad leadership or, or abuse. Um, what about for those, there's many pastors who are bivocational and maybe in the organization that they work for, their Monday through Friday job, or maybe they're a deacon or an elder in their church and they're listening and they'd say, I'm I'm under the authority, but they're not a believer. And I mean, I even look at, there's government authority. There's people that don't agree with what we believe, but there's the authority over you. How have you processed over the years? Again, you were bivocational as a pastor starting. Um having the authority to somebody that asked you to do something that it's like, is it compromising? Is it not? Okay. I'll give you yeah. that. And then don't let me forget about the governor. Okay. Okay. So when I worked at circuit city, I started the church and I was selling appliances at circuit city and they said mandatory Sunday morning meeting, you know, every employee in this department shows up Sunday morning, nine o'clock before we open mandatory meeting. And I, at that moment, like you could say, well, you're under authority. You can't be there. I'm starting a church. I'm getting ready to start a church. <laughs> and so I just said, hey, I said, I'm under authority. You're the boss. You have every right to do this meeting. I can't do it and I won't do it. Now I'll find a new job. I'm not angry. I won't slam the door on my way out. 
I think I'm actually a really good salesperson and I've done a great job for you. And if you can give me the exception to not be at that meeting, I can say, but if you can't, I can't do it. And he said, all right, I'll give you the exception. And he said, mandatory for everybody except Rob, you know, <laughs> really seriously. Yeah. And he just said, he's going to do a church and he's going to do it. Now, I mean, that makes me think of something right now, even like teachers unions and everybody like you should stand up to the, like, no, I disagree with that. I, that you should let it be known. And there may be a time you have to say, I'm coming out from your authority and I'm leaving that. You may have to. I was willing to lose my job because I wasn't going to miss church on the weekend. Mm -hmm. um, so that's part of it. You have to learn when it's like, it's fine. They're not asking me to break the law. It's not wrong. I'm under authority. I'll do it. But then there are moments that you just, okay, no, I'm not doing that. Um, I will find a new authority. Mm -hmm. So then let me go to the governor. When we were going to open up with COVID and we were going to open and everybody's like, oh, the governor says you can't. And I'm like, no, we're opening. We are opening. And my point was the constitution was the highest authority. He should have been doing what the constitution says in our state and treating everybody equal, but he wasn't. He was saying these businesses can be open and these ones can't. Yeah, he was these, allowing like uh, theaters the candy and shop, the candy shop and, the and Mall of America. And, yeah, yeah, Mall of America. And you could, yeah. you know, go to Hennepin Avenue and sin all you want. Yeah. But you couldn't go to church. Yeah. And I was like, nope. He's so people thought I was being rebellious to authority. And I said, no, he has moved out from authority. And so we're saying we will align with what the constitution says because our governor has gone rogue and he's out from authority. Yeah. And when everything was closed, we were closed. Correct. Um, but, but once they allowed other people to do it. Yeah. It, it, I think a lot of people struggle with that because obviously Romans talks about being under the authority. What are things in, in a city or in civics, things like that, that maybe you'd say, that's that's not a good thing to argue in the, like from a scriptural basis. Again, that that stance is, hey, you're outside of authority. But are there things you see that that you've wanted to rebel against or other pastors rebel against? You feel like, wow, that's not really the point. I mean, you've talked about like taxes and this and whatever, but... I don't even think about it. Um, yeah, I don't have an answer for that with the government. I mean, they haven't told us we can't preach the name of Jesus, which if they did, I'd say, sorry, I have to obey him versus you. Um, we've tried to work. We've tried to make the city our friend and the government our friend mm -hmm. as much as possible. Now, right now, I feel like I'm probably becoming the most antagonistic towards our authorities because I see the road they're taking us down. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, I disagree with you teaching that in school. No, I disagree with you making this state that type of refuge. No, I disagree with you. And so I'm willing to speak up. Yeah. Now, speaking up and saying I disagree with the authority doing this, there's, it's perfectly fine. Like I'm not, you know, blocking his driveway. I'm not threatening <laughs> yeah. violence. I'm not, you know, I'm just exercising my civic and you know rights to do this and my rights that I have as a citizen but um no I I, I don't I mean even one time we had a gov uh, not a governor a mayor call me once and say you'll never build on that property you will never build I will fight you to the end if you build and so I backed out of the deal on that property and then actually went and bought a different piece of property I remember telling the mayor I said I'll back out of this deal, but whenever I find new land, it has to pass. 
it has to pass. We have prime land and everyone wonders how it happened because I told him, you must, like, if I'm good to my word, you must be good to yours. And he was. Mm -hmm. And But I mean, so we've tried to make them our friend and work with them whenever possible. And then in the right spirit, we object mm -hmm. and and we do what is legal for us to object. Something I've thought about a lot recently is as I've gotten to know just leadership more and seeing, hearing stories like this, um, I think we underestimate the personalities and the personal shortcomings, strengths, weaknesses, vendettas, everything. P I mean, these are people in positions of authority. And I think sometimes we look at a leader or we look at a governor or we look at a pastor and we look at them as, well, this is what this person should do. But we often don't look at it from the humanity side of, well, that person's dealt with this thing or that person was abused as a kid or that's a touchy subject, subject for them or that person doesn't like that person for a good reason. It almost goes back to like, you know, Romeo and Juliet and this family and this family I had a feud together. Have you seen that as you've, you know, seen leaders and just making decisions that it doesn't make sense. And sometimes things don't make sense because you don't know all the information. And sometimes it's not like it's your family. Sometimes it's just that person's a nut job. <laughs> well, like, you bring your dysfunction into it. Um, so sometimes people are dysfunctional. Yeah. And they bring it to uh, the job or their leadership position. Sometimes they're dealing with situations that are going on. And a good a person that's under authority that's good will look to see if those things are there, look to see if they can understand and be kind to the person in it. Um, and as a leader, you've got to try to eliminate that as much as possible. You can't carry personal vendettas. Mm -hmm. You got to get as healthy as you can to not bring your dysfunction into the leadership. Mm -hmm. uh, but unfortunately, if you're in a position of power, uh, a lot of people just bring it into that. I can't imagine being under kings back in the day when they would pass it down to their kid and they'd be dysfunctional and it would be, you know, and everybody's trying to kill everybody. <laughs> Just like the dysfunction that was leading in that in that time. Yeah, uh, I'm actually in, a, in class in grad school on that. And they said in Israel, based upon the metrics or the assessment that the scholars had, uh, zero out of the 20 kings post uh, exile of or, or post split from from the tribes zero out of 20 would have been a good king and then in <laughs> judah i think it was eight out of 20 were good kings and so it's like of the 40 kings only eight of 40 were actually good kings and again by by different standards but you look at like manasseh and some of the kings where it's like and they did child sacrifice and they did this and they did that and oh yeah in some ways you look around the world and you're like there's a lot further we could go that how much worse it could get. And uh, hopefully praying that that God obviously would would be glorified in all of it. But um, the last thing that I think you've done such a good job of is you forgive quickly. And being somebody who's in authority and both under authority, can you briefly just talk about that as kind of a closing to this conversation about how how important forgiveness is in dealing with Agreeing, disagreeing, supporting, all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I just realized how much I've been forgiven of and how gracious God has been to me. And I'm willing to forgive people because I just realized people are human and they make mistakes and they are broken. And um, if I live in unforgiveness, it makes me a worse leader. I live in a pain that is 
way worse than being burned again. And so I've just been a quick figure. I don't know. Is it like goldfish has like a 15 second memory or something like that? <laughs> Sometimes I almost feel like a goldfish. Like, okay, I'll give you a case in point. I had Joe Anderson come and preach at our church recently. He did an amazing yeah, message. He did great. And on his journey and anybody that's looking for like a world-class message that you can't make up about car crashes and healing, uh, separation yeah. and healing and deliverance and just marriage restoration and drug addiction and you know, like unbelievable. Well, he was on staff and we had a falling out. And then over years we reconciled and then I brought him back to preach. And one of our staff members said, it was enough that you were just friends with them, but you literally gave them your pulpit. And I was like, I just want what's best for God. And I really think this message would glorify God. And they're like, I couldn't get there. I'd still be holding grudges. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't want to live that way. Yeah. Like I'd rather be burned than, than hold a grudge. So I've learned to forgive those in leadership. Um, and I've learned to forgive those people that have betrayed me. I've learned to forgive people that I've had a falling out with. And, um, Maybe it's naive, but you know what? I'm still happy at 57 years old. I'm still happy loving Jesus, having pastored this church for, you know, as long as I have since 1995. I, I still am happy because I'm able to give forgiveness and not have those grudges and not have those enemies and to try to believe the best about people. So I, I just think you should pray for those in authority. That's what the Bible says. The, the takeaway I'd say right now, pray for those that are in authority. Um, pray for those that the Bible says despitefully use you. Uh, give grace. You've been given so much. Uh, it brings solutions to the table, not criticism. And if you can't stay under authority and keep a healthy attitude, then see that as God's release to go to the new place or new thing. And don't burn the house down when you leave. It wasn't yours to burn down. God didn't ask you to burn it down. So just leave, just leave and go somewhere else and be under authority somewhere else and do it. Be very kind because, you know, you're not in charge. Like mm -hmm. you don't get to rule the world. <laughs> God does. And so just leave and go to the next thing and uh, try to stay under authority even when it's hard. And don't quit. Don't, don't say, well, I'm not, I'm going to go do my own thing. You know, like you're not really under authority then. Mm -hmm. Like make that the last option to leave because it's so toxic and so unhealthy that it's affecting your life, your family, your everything. And then you have to leave, but try mm -hmm. to stand under authority in every possible way. Well, so good. Thank you for sharing as always. And until next time, next month, wherever it is, maybe we'll be, we, we're working on a new set right now. So we might be oh, yeah. a new set next time. But uh, thanks for, as always, for being here, talking church. My privilege. <laughs>